Welcome to the 99th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and a man currently sitting directly inside of a sock drawer, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? How does it go? General Kenobi, it goes quite well, Simon Eady. How art thou today, dude? I'm okay, man. Yeah. I'm okay. You know, I, uh, I took a lot of criticism, a lot of heat uh, after the last episode. Did you? Uh, I must say. Yep. Uh, people didn't like uh, my accent that I put on there. That's fair. Yeah. They didn't like it. And to the point where Ken, and I quote, shut off the podcast. Oh, he shut it off entirely. Yeah. He didn't even finish the episode. My girlfriend didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, no, I think he finished it. I think he he muscled through it. He was mm. in the car, is what he was saying. He was in the car and he was driving and he's like, no, I can't do this. And then he shut it off, which I was like, whoa, damn, man, that's kind of harsh mm. uh the girlfriend also uh didn't shut it off but she said it was funny in the beginning which i, I can take i, I, I I'll, I'll allow it mm -hmm. and then she said it got old pretty quickly mm. did you listen back to the podcast i did i did okay i i think for me it was you know it, it was funny at first and then it became uninteresting and then it went on long enough for it to become funny again in my yes. opinion you know, the, it, sorry, I don't know if I gave enough context. I talked in a, I don't, wouldn't call it Scottish accent. You talked in an in accent. In the beginning. In an accent. There was many accents. Mm -hmm. There were many accents in there. And the idea was that it was purposely bad. And I feel like that was the description that I had when I was listening back in the editing process of the episode uh, 98. If, if, if audience member, you want to go back and listen no, to the I, first 18 minutes. I, I, no, you started the episode and you said, I'm about to do the best goddamn accents you've ever heard. And then proceeded to do that entire bit for 20 minutes. I remember that. I didn't. That was, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad and it was kind of meant to be bad. And that was kind of the beauty of it. And it, I feel like, again, the way you described it was it kind of was bad and that it went into a lull and then there's just information being relayed and we were just talking in a weird, I was talking in a weird accent and you were just responding to me mm -hmm. and then it got kind of funny a little bit again that's how i read the situation but again my the two audience members that i've talked to absolutely seemed to despise it to the point where i was like whoa mm. guys chill out and so uh my reaction to them adrian do you know what that is you told them to fuck off don't listen to our show ever again no no i didn't do that but adrian now for this episode episode 99 i'm going to speak entirely in the accent of liam neeson so are you ready? Yeah. Bananas. That's really good. Continue. <laughs> Adrian. Oh, damn. Now I don't <laughs> even know how to do it anymore. <laughs> but, oh, God damn it. <laughs> that is it. Now I'm going to go into the Scottish accent. Yeah. I, you, you got my nerves. My nerves are up. Okay, hold on. Now, I, now it's going to start. Now, I, now I'm going to do it for the whole, the whole episode. Are you ready? For the whole episode 99, I'm going to speak in this accent. Bananas. Yep. I will... <laughs> I will look for you. I will find you, and I will kill you. That was pretty good, Liam Neeson. Liam, is that you? It, it is me, Adrian Pinder. Wow. I can't hear myself speak, and it makes my accents quite bad. And now I'm speaking in the Scottish accent again. Yeah. 
Anyways. Well, um, Liam. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that, just to be clear. Okay. I'm not a crazy person. I know it was bad. I know that was mm. bad, okay? I listened to it back, Hell. and it was not a great showing of an accent. It's weird, though. I must say, I was, uh, I was throwing around the, you know, the, uh, the classic Liam Neeson line from Taken. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. And I kept doing that over and over again. And I felt like it kept getting better. Mm. And then when I put the headphones on, I literally can't hear myself. It's painful. I, can't, I really wish I had headphones that relayed my audio back to me properly. Mm. But anyway, whatever. It is what it is. Technical issues. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's so I'm basically what I'm saying is the bad accent from last week wasn't my fault at all. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It was, it, was, yeah. <laughs> it was completely because of these headphones. So... You know what? I agree. Yeah, fuck those headphones, man. Take them off. Throw them on the ground. Break them. Now, I'm not going to do that, but oh. I do apologize to anyone out there who listened to the first 20 minutes of episode 98 and had to turn it off. Maybe, uh, you know, you were disturbed by said accent. Definitely, yeah. Offended, perhaps? I was. I, uh, I make a heartfelt apology. And uh, I accept. Adrian, I think we should move on now. Yeah, Simon. And guess what? I got a little surprise for you, Simon. <gasps> a surprise for me? Yeah. And a for me, yeah, just for you, man. All right, you ready for this? I'm gonna give you a hint. I'm gonna give you a hint. Okay. God damn, sorry. What are you doing? ASMR? Oh, oh, okay. It could be actually. I just opened a can of Coca-Cola. Okay. Okay. And you ready for this one? Yeah. Yeah, I'm waiting. Wow, that is ASMR right there. I just opened a can of Pepsi. Wow. So. Last week, yes, I made the the outrageous claim where I was just like, I can't tell the difference between Coca Cola and Pepsi, and I I don't know which one I like more. I I settled on Pepsi because I like the blue can. Yes, did you? It seems more refreshing. So sorry, did you say? Did you say outrage? Outrageous? I, did I? I, th- I thought <laughs> I thought I said outrageous. I was like, wait, is outrageous a a word? It might be, but I thought I said outrageous. Maybe I said outrageous. Who knows? But I meant outrageous. So okay. I have these two cans in front of me. They're both cans of Coca-Cola and Pepsi, respectively, okay? Yes, yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to do a taste test live on air. Oh, you're going to do it right now, okay. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to start. Do you have a palate cleanser with you? Do you have some water as well or some sherbet? I do have water, yeah. Sorbet? No, no sherbet or sorbet, but I have water. Okay, okay. So I'm going to go for the Coca-Cola first. Okay. Both of these cans just came out of the fridge, nice and cold, freshly opened. Okay. good flavor right there give me one second okay and do a little water rinse real quick okay mouth is rinsed from the water yes next up is the pepsi you ready i'm ready hmm okay i gotta jump back to the coca-cola real quick okay sounds good because i i think it's very scientific I think there is a. I think there is a difference. Well, there's definitely a difference. <laughs> That's not what you're trying to determine here. There's a difference. There's clearly a difference. Mm. They're both fairly similar, but Coca-Cola is the more refreshing one. It tastes better. I like Coca-Cola better. Oh, wow! That is my new choice. I, I have adjusted my my claim. Your outrighteous. I think Coca Cola is the better. Your outrighteous claim. My outrighteous claim, dude. 
Yeah. The, I was so I was at the grocery store because I again I don't regularly drink pop. So I might be on a little bit of a sugar rush this episode, Simon. But I was gonna buy You had three sips of, of pop. Whoa! <laughs> I was gonna so I was gonna buy Crazy. uh one of the bottles of cola. Right. Right? I I was the glass bottles. And I was yes. like, God damn. Those are great. Like that looks good. But I was like, I can't do that because then it gives Coca-Cola an unfair advantage. You're right. Yes. So, so I have now gone with, again, both cans, both aluminum cans, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, both at the same temperature. And uh, I still stand by Coca-Cola is the better of the two flavors. I'm kind of surprised. I'm kind of surprised, to be honest with you. There you go. I per- I also prefer Coca-Cola. I like Pepsi, though. I don't dislike it. But there's definitely a difference. We- we've acknowledged that, that there is a difference, right? Like that's There is a difference. Okay, good. Like that was that was a little when you started when you said that as almost like a weird fact, like, oh, there's a difference. Obviously, there's different recipes, Adrian. Come on. Well, they taste fairly similar. Honestly, I like I can't tell too much, but there's a little bit. It's a, it's the back of the throat feeling that you get with the cola where it's like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know? All right. Well, I, I appreciate you doing this. It was very scientific. I appreciate that. But I think, Adrian, it's time to move on because we are a film and TV podcast and we've mm-hmm. not talked a, a lick about film and TV. We've just talked licks about Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So- I think we should start with a little uh, taste tester of uh, of a little story that came out about the Star Wars universe, Adrian. Wow. Yes. Okay. Give it to me. It's a little quick bite here. Deborah Chow. <laughs> you know Deborah Chow? I do know Deborah Chow. I just think that's a very clever joke you just did. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, I sometimes come up with those, you know? Yeah. I'm proud of you. <laughs> if you want to hear something unfunny, listen to the first 20 minutes of episode 98. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but regardless, uh, Deborah Chow is the director of the Kenobi series, and she directed some of the episodes of The Mandalorian, yeah, a show that's obviously showrun by John Favreau. And so she's talking about this Obi Wan show, and she was talking about it in reference to it being a character driven series, which is funny because we just heard that before with Moon Knight, mm-hmm. um, which is also obviously on D- Disney Plus, but that. Kenobi series is literally coming out next week, and I'm quite excited for that. Mm-hmm. That's going to be quite uh, quite good. It looks like, anyways, the two trailers that we've seen, I think, are quite good, and they don't really reveal too much, which I'm really impressed by, because I obviously have issues with revealing too much with trailers. She specifically said this to, of all places, Games Radar. Wow. Um, she said, quote, I think I was the most excited about getting the opportunity to do a character-driven story in a similar way. It's a different tone, but something like Joker or Logan, where you take Mm -hmm. one character out of a big franchise and then you really have the time and you go a lot deeper with the character. That, to me, seemed really exciting to get to do in Star Wars. Hmm. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Hmm. Hmm. It's an interesting comparison there because Logan is genuinely incredible. It is. And so is, I honestly think the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix is really, really good too. I know that yeah, it's pretty good. some people think it's overrated or whatever. But I, 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 I yeah, I, I think it's a little overrated. It's a good movie though. Yeah, I think it's a good movie for sure. And I'm kind of excited more so now just because she said this, but I'm kind of curious if it's uh, maybe not going to live up to the hype. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's a week away. Like, we'll be able to, because I think the first two episodes launch on the Friday of the week that this episode airs. So we'll more than likely talk about it next week, Simon. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I'm Mm -hmm. very excited to talk about it next week. I feel like if we don't talk about it next week, it'd be... 
a shame. Quite shocking. And it'd be shocking for a specific reason that I want to get to by the end of this show, this episode of our podcast. But um, just as a specific okay. reason that we're definitely going to talk about Kenobi next week. And if we don't, I'd again be a little bit is, alarmed. Is it because it releases? Is that the reason? Also because it releases, but there's another reason. And, and I'll get there. I'll get there, Adrian. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Suspense is killing me. Last episode was a episode of blunders for myself, Adrian. And I want to go into a show correction from last week as well. A mistake mm-hmm. I made personally. I made this mistake. Together. Well, your mistakes are my mistakes. My mistakes are your mistakes. Well, no, I see. I understand the sentiment. I like you trying to take a bullet for me. I imagine you as a bodyguard and like jumping in front of me. Well, someone's trying to shoot me or something. Like Richard Madden in the show, The Bodyguard. Yeah. Did he do that? Did he jump in front of somebody? I don't remember. I don't remember I don't either, but yeah. you know, you're just taking a bullet for me. And I, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. But ultimately, I was wrong about something very specific. And, uh, and we kind of corrected it last week, but I want to clarify even further. It was about the Lightyear movie, which is coming out very soon as well. It's coming mm-hmm. out in June, uh, starring Chris Evans. And I had mentioned that it was kind of silly that people were upset that Tim Allen's not cast as Buzz Lightyear. And, and I understood the Buzz Lightyear character in that movie, Lightyear, was actually a real-life character in Andy's universe. Andy being the Toy Story, Toy Story dad, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Toy, toy, dad for the toys. I don't know. If that's, that's, that's that, is that weird? I think that's weird. Anyways. The friend. The friend. The best friend. Friend in them, mm-hmm. if, if you will. Yep. But uh, yeah, the owner of the toys, Andy, the kid. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he owns Buzz Lightyear. And I thought that Lightyear, the character, was a main, like, a, like an actual astronaut in his universe. Mm-hmm. But you corrected me and said that he's not, and he's actually just a, he's technically a movie character that Andy had seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. And the movie that Lightyear is, is basically the movie that Andy had seen. And I was kind of shocked by this because I'd never heard this. And then I went to my girlfriend and I said, hey, did you know that? Because we both knew why Chris Evans was cast as Buzz Lightyear instead of Tim Allen in this particular, for this character. And we thought it was because he was the astronaut. And why would you, why would the astronaut have the same voice as a toy? Like, no, an astronaut would not like decide, hey, I, I'm going to go voice this action figure. Mm-hmm. I've got time for that. So I thought it was a little ridiculous to think that Tim Allen would voice the, the astronaut in the real life animated world. I'm saying that as confusing as possible. You are, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. But yeah, I thought that was a little weird to do that. But in the end, it's actually a actor playing that character in a movie. So I guess he could have voiced the action figure, I guess. Although that also still doesn't happen, I don't think, in real life either. Mm-hmm. So I still kind of stand by my belief, though, that it makes sense. And I think you do, too, that Chris Evans voices this character and Tim Allen voices the toy. But the main reason I feel like it works is what Angus McLean, who's the director of the movie, said was the reason for this. He was trying to avoid confusion. Tim Allen's character in this Toy Story movies, all of the movies, all four of them, is pretty comical. The character is not really... He's a comic relief character, and he's kind of a not a buffoon, but he's he's really not a confident guy in certain parts because he just doesn't understand who he is. He has an identity crisis, and I don't think that the like the character in the movie is going to have that identity crisis. And so, McLean, the director, is really just making that separate on purpose because he's trying to avoid the idea that this is the Tim Allen type comic relief character that Lightyear is. They're adding their own comic relief character in that cat, I guess, in this new Lightyear movie. If you've watched the trailer. 
right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why I was, that's what he was saying basically in a few interviews because people were confused by the fact that Tim Allen wasn't cast. And I feel like his explanation is pretty good. So I think that it still works in the context of it. But again, my apologies for misunderstanding the fact that the Buzz Lightyear in this movie is literally an action star in a movie. Mm -hmm. This is a movie in Andy's universe and not an actual astronaut that Chris Evans is playing. Yeah. Yes. So he's not an actual galactic ranger, in other words, but... I just wanted to clarify that. Hopefully I didn't do that for more than an incredibly long amount of time. How, how long was I just talking about that? Was that, I, I just blacked out. About 48 minutes, give or take a bit, but yeah. But not as long as the stupid accent in the beginning of 98. So there you go. Mm-hmm. There you have it. There you have it, folks. Adrian, do you have any corrections from last week or are you perfect? Oh, were you just a perfect little boy? I was a perfect little boy, Simon. I was a perfect little boy. Oh, excellent. Well, then... Let's reach into the mailbag for a moment here, shall we? We ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of email to spillfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And Eric Kerwin wrote into us and he said, So get this. I'm skeptical when it comes to some movies, but I'd like to give a genuine review and honest interpretation of a certain property. Without a doubt, I can honestly say that the new Resident Evil movie, Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, was very entertaining, to say the least. And a movie I would be more than happy to recommend to friends. And honestly, isn't that the epitome of how you should say what a good movie is? I mean, everything is up to interpretation. But if you are looking for a good time and an honest representation of a video game franchise from someone who actually likes the Resident Evil series, I would recommend this film, at least for the first half. It does drop off, but not to the extent I wouldn't recommend the movie. It kills the time with friends. It makes you go, oh, that was pretty cool. And by the end of it, for myself, a fan of the Resident Evil franchise, think about what could be next, hopefully, with Ethan Winters. And he signed it with a little winky face, Adrian. He signed this email with a winky face. And I'm sure you love this. It's just like him. I'm sure you love this email. I do love it. I feel like this is something that this is you waited your whole life for somebody to write in about the fact that they loved the Resident Evil Welcome Mm -hmm. to Raccoon City, which is how you end our show every every episode of the series for the last like 30 episodes you've been saying it's a good movie simon that resident evil welcome to raccoon city you mention it specifically you don't mention other movies like other great movies that you like like fargo which you've argued is one of your favorite movies of all time you don't say fargo is a great movie you say resident evil welcome to raccoon city at the end of every episode of our podcast you say that is a good movie specifically that you point Mm -hmm. that one out that's the one you want to you want to draw attention to to the audience well simon i need to defend movies right like i don't need to defend fargo people know fargo is a phenomenal movie but people have this misconception that the resident evil welcome to raccoon city town movie is a bad movie and no 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 that's not the case my friends that's why i also include batman versus superman because there's that misconception that that's a bad movie and i say no 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 (laughs) that's also a good movie my friends yeah, but that makes sense, though. Like, Batman vs. Mm. Superman is actually a good movie. And Resident Evil Welcome to Ra- Raccoon City is just a fine movie. It's okay. I even admitted as much. I said yeah. it was fine. But who are you arguing with is the question. Have you had conversations with other people who have seen that movie? Lots of people have seen Batman vs. Superman in my life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't like it because of the Martha scene, specifically, Adrian. Mm-hmm. What is it about Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City? Who do you know that's even arguing with you that it's not a good movie? You. I'm not really arguing that, though. If you go back to that episode in which we review it, I I basically say that it's an okay movie. It's fine. I say it's that. It's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. 
And if I do say it at the end of the podcast, it's because you specifically mentioned it, like that it's a good movie at the mm-hmm. end of every podcast. And I've been just trying to counteract you because it's just like in, it's ingrained now in our podcast. It's besmirching our name, our good name. I disagree. I think it's making us stand up for what's right. So in other words, if you hear me say it's not a good movie, I'm not really meaning that. I, I want to make it clear. It's an okay movie. It's still an okay movie. It's not bad. It's a good movie. Yeah. It's not bad. It's just okay. But I'm trying to counteract you by saying no when you say it's good. Well, it's two versus one here, Simon. Both me and Eric agree on it. That's a two to one ratio. We win. Democracy rules again. Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City is a good movie and I'll stand by it. And thank you very much, Eric, for writing in, my friend. You're a good guy. You know what's up. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I do wonder if you wrote this email and sent it in to sing. I, I didn't write it, no. With the moniker Eric Kerwin. Sing. It's possible. I mean, it's, anything's possible technically, but it wasn't. That's not the case. Okay. Yeah. Anything's possible. That's actually not true. Anything is not possible. But anyways, let's move on, Adrian. Let's move on. Let's move on to what we've watched this week, Ooh, which is, okay. uh, I feel like a hot topic, Adrian. A hot topic. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that uh, we watched some interesting things, and I think I'd like you to go first. What have you watched this week specifically? Should I talk about something I know that neither of us watched? Or sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no, actually, you should never talk about something you, neither of, of us have watched. Because I haven't seen a lot of things. I'll bring up something neither of us watched. But should I? Should <laughs> and I, you'll review I, it right here, yeah. right here on the podcast, episode 99. Should I talk about something that we both watched or something that only I've watched? What would you prefer? We've talked about a lot of nonsense. I think we should get into the review of the thing we both watched because I feel like this is a big a big topic and it's a pretty great okay. movie. And uh, let's get serious, Adrian. Let's get serious for a moment here. Super serious, okay. It's the movie Men, written and directed by Alex Garland, probably best known for his movie Ex Machina, his other movie Annihilation, and then his television series Devs, which I still have yet to watch, but it's on Disney Plus, it's on my list. Yes. And um, Men has come out to theaters, and I quite like this movie. I think this movie is very interesting. It's very unsettling. I would argue it's the most frightening movie of Alex Garland's and the one that that easily made me the most uncomfortable. Um, Well, this is the arguably the only horror genre movie. Yeah. I mean, I the mean, other ones were the thrillers, if, yeah. if anything. I mean, yes, you can make the argument that they are horror-esque mm-hmm. in some aspects, but I feel like... Annihilation in particular. Yeah, This is certainly a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think this was, that's the main genre of what this, what, what this is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, again, this movie is incredibly unsettling. It's, it's frightening. I, you know, had shivers going, like, up my spine. Um, and... There is some very um, interesting imagery throughout this film, uh, including a naked man, which I really want to just briefly touch on. A24 has a fetish of always having like a naked person in every one of their movies, just like a naked old person. Dick and balls. <laughs> well, A24 just funds it. the movies. I don't think that they... Yeah, I know. Or, or, or maybe you're saying, what you're saying is when you sign the contract with A24, they're like... You yes, you can have as much money as you'd like, but 
You must have a naked man with dick and balls out. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Dick and balls out. And uh, this movie has that, quite a bit of it, actually. So <laughs> um, yes. So there's that going for it. Um, and I think this movie uh, is the perfect length. It's about an hour and 40-some-on minutes. It doesn't, you know... Um, it doesn't overstay its welcome because I'll be honest, by the end of the movie, I wanted the movie to be finished because I was just like, I'm over this. Not in a bad way, but in a way where I was just like, I I almost can't handle watching any more of this because it's just so freaky and unsettling. And my uh, uh, so uh, we watched it together and then our respective girlfriends also came along with us. And my girlfriend, she's not a huge horror movie fan. She She likes them enough. She loves like the Scream franchise and stuff like that. But she was liking this movie most of the time. But yeah, by the end of the movie, she's like, I actually don't like this anymore. Like, <laughs> uh, like I think for her, it overstayed its welcome and it got a little bit too wacky, for lack of a better term. Um, but I think the acting in this movie um, is stellar. Like, it's, it's really, um, really great from, like, all parties involved. Um Sorry, her name escapes me. Uh, Jesse Buckley uh, plays um, the main character in it. Uh, And then Rory Kinnear plays a plethora of characters in it, actually, which, again, adds to this almost unsettling nature of this young woman, you know, kind of trying to escape the big city to go to it like a small town uh, kind of escaping uh, because she's dealing with, uh, I guess, grief is the best way to put it. I don't know how much was revealed in the trailer. So I want, I want to be careful of uh, what I mentioned, but you know, she goes out um, to this small country town just to relax and, and have some time to herself and kind of heal. And while she's there, she meets a bunch of different men and, um, each of these men almost make her feel worse. And the movie kind of progresses from there um, until it reaches a very uh, unique and interesting climax. But Rory Kinnear's um, portrayal of multiple characters in this movie is absolutely stellar. Um, it's, it's, it's so interesting what Alex Garland was able to do with this because it like on paper, I feel like this shouldn't really work, um, but it really does. And again, I think a lot of that has to go with Jesse Buckley and uh, Jesse Buckley's and Rory Kinnear's acting. There are two other actors in the movie as well, Papa S.C. Du and Gail Rankin. And I think there's like maybe one or two other people. Um, but um, I think the performances from everyone in this film is is stellar. The use of the score and music uh, adds to this unsettling nature while you're watching this movie. And um, yeah, again, it has some very, uh, I don't like awful in a, in a awful, not in like a bad way, awful in a way, like you don't want to look at it imagery. Um, bam. I really like this movie. What did you think? Yeah. Yeah. Like you kind of uh, touched on a lot of the sentiments that I have in my notes for sure. And I think that the standout performance for sure is Jesse Buckley. Like, mm-hmm. damn. Damn, pretty great. She's like awesome. Like it is. It's about a uh, a woman named Harper, and she's dealing with grief, and um, and she's escaping to the the countryside. And it's just uh, it's just the way that they portray the grief is just so symbolic and, and incredible. And like the, I feel like it's an incredibly aptly named movie as well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's an aptly named horror movie. I mean, I feel like you kind of get the gist, but mm-hmm. but it's portraying the worst parts of what men can be 
basically in some way or another. Yeah. But it's um the imagery though from Alex Garland and cinematographer Rob Hardy is just nightmare fuel is what I would say. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not even just like the more obvious parts. Like when you get to certain parts, you're like, okay, yeah, that's very, very frightening. And as you just called it, Adrian, wacky um, yeah. at times. But I think that some of the scariest parts, and I don't, I don't watch a lot of horror movies. For, so excuse me if this is a constant, not trope, but constant uh, technique potentially. But I, I really like the way that they did the the auto lights. I thought mm-hmm. that that was just unbelievable. So I have this, I don't know what, what it is. I maybe have a fear of this or something. I, I feel like I've had nightmares of this or something like that. But I've like my family had a cottage as an example. So we, when we would go up to the cottage, we have lights on a green lawn. And there's just something about the frightening nature of what's in the dark beyond the lawn that it, it mm-hmm. always struck me as frightening. There's bears in the woods, potentially you're at a cottage in the, you know, the, like outskirts of way outside the city. So it's like this concept that anybody can be lurking outside the light, if that makes yeah, sense. Like a, and I feel yeah, like, like a Morbius or something. Uh, Remember the, sh- the hallway scene in Morbius with those auto lights? Yeah, but that wasn't, yes, but that wasn't scary. You know what? I, you didn't get that same feeling from this movie with the, the way the, the motion sensor lights worked? No, no, I, I got it. I got it. I just wanted to make a little bit out of it, Simon. But yeah, it, it is quite terrifying. It confuses me slightly when you when you reference one of the one of the in your opinion probably the one of the worst movies you've ever seen, and mm-hmm. in, yeah. in reference to a movie that I think you quite like. Um, yes, in terms of this movie, but the color palette as well, the green, like the, the enhanced green textures of like the green countryside and the the oldness of this home and like the idea of being alone in this dark, like very old house as well. With the door that barely locks. Yes, with big open windows. Yeah, it's like, man, it's frightening. And there's certain mm-hmm. scenes where they're just like almost frustrating to watch, but in like a good way. Like I'm not frustrated like this is bad movie making, but in a way that like you want the characters to notice something or kind of it's it's very interesting. Like it's just it's amazing and it's nightmare fuel in like the best way possible. And Again, that green color palette is almost ingrained on my brain in in a way, and the the way that the the lights malfunction is just so brilliant. I oh man, mm. I just love it, and it's a truly a thing of nightmares. And the music by Ben Salisbury and Jeff Barrows, as you just mentioned, is brilliant. And the way that it uses or creates the score based on elements in the actual story is also very very smart and uh, brilliant. One thing I'll say too, you mentioned Rory Kinnear. Plays multiple characters, right? Mm-hmm. Rory Kinnear does a great job too. I will say, we watched the trailer, and the, and the trailer reveals that he plays multiple characters. So that's, that's mm-hmm. not a. We didn't really. We didn't spoil. I'm not going to say we didn't really. We literally didn't spoil anything from the movie that was not spoiled already in the trailer. Mm-hmm. The, oh yeah, even from the trailer, actually, just to mention the apples falling from the tree all at once. There's there's a whole bunch of things. That, again, that's like a nightmare fuel type situation. There's so many of these like incredibly well shot things that there's there's great use of slow motion there's great use of i don't know it's just there's just very frightening imagery and things that shouldn't be creepy but what i was going to say about rory kinnear is that he does do a good job i agree with you but there's the the concept that he plays multiple people in it and i don't know if this is a thing across the board but my girlfriend didn't really see the trailer if i recall correctly and she didn't realize that rory kinnear is playing multiple people Oh, 
And that is so intriguing to me. And I, and I think it, it's very interesting if you think of the outlook of the relationship that Harper has with these people. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about her reaction and, and her situation with, these, with Rory Kinnear's character, I think that that's so much more interesting. When she told me that, I was like, wow, that's so neat. They did a good job then, I guess. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because they, like, I really like that hearing that because I thought that was really cool. I, I just, uh, again, if you watch the movie, you kind of maybe get the vibe I'm trying to give off in terms of why that's interesting. But that's cool. And I, I thought that there's one thing about Rory Kinnear that I didn't like and has nothing to do with Kinnear himself. It is specifically to do with CG. <laughs> Which Adrian, uh, yeah. I do wonder whether you thought was outrageous. But anyway, I think that was yeah. on the trailer too, by the way. It's the, just not it, it's good. It's the kid, right? It's the kid. Yeah, it's yeah, fake. it's the kid. But to be yeah. honest, it was terrible to start, but it it is not as it goes on. And it's like, it's just unsettling. And it's almost... that. That's exactly it. I almost feel like it was done purposely to make it that bit more unsettling and uncomfortable. Yeah, Uncanny Valley, very yeah. much so. Like, yeah. you just don't quite, you don't know, you don't think it's real, and you almost are not supposed to believe it's real, and it's it works. It's funny. That's in the trailer, I, I'm pretty sure, too. I, I do remember that distinctly. It is, yeah. And I thought it was weird in the trailer, but it's only a quick kind of few seconds. But, yeah, this is uh, the symbolism in it, the cinematography, the music. It's truly frightening. And th- the thing is about this movie is it truly made me very, very uncomfortable and I've said this before, Adrian. Why do I not like horror movies? Do you remember what, what I said? Why? Because you don't like being frightened. I don't know. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I'm going to see a movie to potentially escape. Uh. You can tell me a really cool story. That's fine. It could be something that's still, there's, you know, there's grief in it. I, I, you know, I'm going to maybe cry in it. That's fine. But when you're just trying to make me frightened or jump, you know, jump out of my skin or have these goosebumpies going, you know, across my arm or whatever, it's like, okay. I get it. You're, that's your whole goal. So I really need a really good narrative when I'm watching a horror movie to really feel like it's worth my time. And uh, and they definitely did that here. But this is the thing. My girlfriend didn't like this movie either. She thought this was not good. And she said, I was, it's funny, funny enough, it's kind of exactly what you just said, which is where I'm like mirroring what you just said. She basically said that it was like three quarters through the movie. She's like, no, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it was good until that point. And then it's like, no, I don't like it anymore. And uh, I was I was on board, sort of. I was like, okay, I get what they're doing here, but then it became something else, and and it, it was constant. This movie's constantly transforming throughout its its run. Mm-hmm. But I think that's interesting because for me, is that that the goal of horror movies? That's my point. Isn't it to make you feel more and more uncomfortable as it goes? And I feel like they do that, and Alex Garland succeeds. I feel like that's his. Mm-hmm. He's done it. <laughs> I think, right. I agree, man. Yeah, I think he has done it. Um, There's certain things, man, I I still been thinking about them days later. We watched this uh, movie a couple days ago. Thursday night, yeah. I keep thinking about it. There's certain things like, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyways, it's it's quite frightening. I'm too scared to continue this podcast, man. I'm too scared now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Frightened. Don't throw this out, Adrian. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Tossing in the pot? Don't... <laughs> yeah, toss in the pod. Did you just say toss in the pod? Yeah, in the pot. Oh, I thought you said, are you tossing the pod? Oh, no, no, no. That would have worked better. 
Come on. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't think of it. I was I was going off the Arrested Development train. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I've been trying to link it back. We get back to our podcast. But anyways, one other thing I want to mention about Alex Garland. Alex Garland is currently shooting a movie called Civil War, in which the the plot details are very much under wraps. I don't think you can find much about it. It's got a pretty good cast, whatever. But he's talking about stopping directing after Civil War. Oh. He says he doesn't like directing and that he just wants to go back to writing. Alex Garland was initially an author and then he wrote a few screenplays. And like, for instance, he wrote 28 Days Later and like many other screenplays. And then he started directing. Basically, he claimed that he started directing for convenience, which I thought was an interesting way to put it. Hmm. He just doesn't really like directing. He just likes writing. And he's thinking of just going back to writing. And I hope not because honestly, every one of his movies, I just truly just really love. I just Me too. think they're so good. And um, the article I was reading, oh man, I don't remember where it was, but they were saying that, and this is kind of the sentiment I got as well from the quote that he gave, is that he seems like he's a little bit burnt out. Apparently it was like 48 hours after he stopped filming Men. Mm-hmm. Like production stopped on Men. That's when he started uh, production on Civil War. Oh man. It's like, yeah. that's like, come on, man. Like, what are you doing? You're, you're killing yourself here. Like, we can wait. I'm super excited for his next movie just because this movie was so good. But again, I, you know, I'm a little worried now. This might be it, but I hope that he just kind of stops, takes a, takes a pause and then comes back. But yeah, Mm -hmm. that would be a shame is all I'm saying. An absolute shame. I agree. Yeah. Great movie though. Great movie indeed. Yes. Sorry. Just to reference it to be clear. I'm pretty sure. So initially said that to the New York times and I think it's the playlist that was, had that sentiment that, he just might be suffering from a little bit of burnout. Mm. But he calls himself fraudulent, which is interesting too in that interview. He says that he feels like he's a fraud. Why? I don't know. I, 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 I don't, I do know actually kind of. Anything I've ever done creatively, I always feel like I'm a fraud. But then again, I haven't had the success of Alex Garland by any stretch of the imagination, but. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> sure. We're the second most popular podcast in New Zealand. Yeah. Get your head out of the gutter. Yeah, sure. Sure it is. Yeah. Oh, of course. Of course it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But um, but yeah, any success I've had, I would say, I've always felt like, ah, it wasn't very good. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If I was uh, like a sound designer or like visual media designer on a play as an example, and people like compliment, oh, wow, that was really good or whatever. But they get like, I just, I just don't really like, ah, sure. And like I see all the I see all the little problems. Like there's always a bunch of little issues. And when you're at the high level of Alex Garland, which is like mm-hmm. 850 times higher than me, and I feel like that's the that that's what happens. You just the creative, and you constantly see the little issues that that you've created, like small things that you wish you could have changed. Mm-hmm. Although I feel like no matter what creative thing you make, every little thing you do, there's f- like. 5,000 really unlimited things you could have chosen in that place. So instead of the apples falling from the tree and men, you could have made them babies, babies falling from the tree. Yeah, exactly. But he just chose that there were apples, Mm -hmm. but yeah, sure. Anyways, men, awesome movie. Hope Alex Garland keeps doing his thing. And I hope he realizes that he's, uh, he's pretty awesome. That's all, all I can say, Adrian. That's all I can say. Adrian, did you watch anything else this week? Anything else of note? Simon, I did indeed watch something else this week. I actually watched a few more things, but I'm only going to talk about one more thing quick. Okay. And that 
is the new Disney Plus original film, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, my friend. The um, technically sequel to the Chippendale Rescue Rangers TV series, um, you know, starring and honestly an all star cast with John Mulaney, Andy Samberg playing Chippendale, respectively. Uh, you have Seth Rogen in the movie, J.K. Simmons in the movie, Will Arnett in the movie, Tim Robinson in the movie. Kiki Lane's in this movie, Eric Bana, Flula Borg, Keegan-Michael Key, Chris Parnell, Dennis Haysbert. The list goes on. The cast in this movie is absolutely bananas. And this movie is awesome. It's really damn good. Let me tell you right now, Simon, this movie is genuinely fa- fantastic. As someone that really loved Chippendale Rescue Rangers when I was a kid, this movie isn't exactly that. It's actually quite different from it. It's... um. It's like if the Chippendale Rescue Rangers TV show was an actual TV show and Chippendale were actors like they're playing themselves, but they were actors in in that TV show with Gadget and um, uh, 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 what's his name? Jack. Jack Cheese. Monterey Jack. Sorry. <laughs> it took me a second getting there, but they essentially uh, play themselves. Um, you know, many years after Chippendale Rescue Rangers, like the TV show ended and, um, you know, Chip is again, played by, um, uh, 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 oh my God, <laughs> my brain chip is uh, played by John Mulaney and then Dale is played by Andy Samberg. And, uh, Dale has a like CG surgery done where he's like a three dimensional, like CG character. Whereas chip stays in his like traditional 2d animation. And the one thing I want to uh, call out in this movie is that this movie uses a plethora of different animation styles with their characters that are still, you know, in the real world. And somehow it all works and it all looks really great together. And, you know, in specific scenes, there could be like four different animation styles with different characters in the background, but it still all just melds together in a very cohesive way. This movie is honestly very adorable. It's funny. Um, You know, again, I think a lot of that has to do with the cast and the, the amazing vocal performances from all of them. But on top of that, this movie is just a nostalgia trip, regardless of if you, um, you know, were a fan of Chip and Dale rescue Rangers back in the day, there is so many cameos and references in this movie that it's honestly unbelievable. And I'm saying like, there's probably a cameo every 30 seconds in this entire movie from different studios, not just Disney. There are Warner brothers characters in this. There are dreams where dreamworks characters in this, uh, you have Fox characters in this, uh, which is now owned by Disney, but there's so many different characters in this movie some that I would literally never in a billion years guess it's jarring, but in a good way. And my girlfriend, she never watched Chippendale rescue Rangers, the like original series, but she had a really great time watching this movie. And again, it's, it's far more than just like a nostalgia trip and like a cameo thing. It's, it's a very like heartfelt and kind of cute tale of Chippendale who, you know, lost touch over many years, kind of reigniting their friendship and, you know, uh, kind of rebooting the rescue Rangers just in real life, trying to solve like a, a, uh, like a, a case where people different like former um you know uh animated characters are being kidnapped um and sent off and no one knows like what's happening to them um and it's 
genuinely like a really good time. Like I, I can't, I honestly can't recommend this movie enough. I think if you're just a fan of just, you know, good lighthearted comedies, but you've watched movies before. And I know that's a very broad statement, but you've watched a lot of animated movies and TV shows before. Um, there is a lot here for you to just kind of pick up on and enjoy. I think if I watch this movie again, I would probably pick up on like tens of, you know, 10, 20, 30 different characters that I probably didn't even see the first time. It's, it's genuinely like, a phenomenal work from the uh, uh, the um, directors that they could kind of fit all of this in. Sorry, the director. It's a single director. It's a, a Kiva Schaefer, uh, but that they could fit it all in in a way that didn't seem almost like ham-fisted and heavy-handed. It was written by Dan Greger and Doug Mond. Um, so I don't know if they had a lot to do with like, you know, adding in specific characters and stuff, but what they do with a lot of these characters uh, is, is really enjoyable. They kind of, you know, change characters um, in very unique ways in the trailer. There's like a Peter Pan character, but it's like a adult Peter Pan that's played by Will Arnett. That is honestly just hilarious to watch. Um, and just, there's so many creative ideas throughout this entire, you know, hour 40 minute film that um, it's definitely worth watching, and I highly, highly recommend this movie. This is pr- like definitely the most enjoyable movie I watched this week, just because Men wasn't an enjoyable watch, I would say. But it's it's heartfelt, it's funny, it's uh, has a, an amazing cast and amazing performances. Hundred percent recommend this movie. Do you have any interest in watching this Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers movie, Simon? Hundred percent. I kind of wish you hadn't seen it, so we could kind of talk about it. Um, mm. when we both had seen it. I was kind of thinking maybe next week, but. Also for another reason, similar to the reason why we're going to definitely watch Kenobi. Oh. I'm hinting at something I'm going to mention at the end of the show. Wow. This is, well, the, wow. The, the suspense is killing everyone. I know. I know. Just wait. Just wait. I'm going to puke. I am going to puke. Don't puke. Don't puke again. Okay. You've puked a lot Blah. on the recording of Small Focus, a film and TV podcast, and I don't mm. want to make you dehydrated, but Adrian, I would like to tell you something, and I don't know if you know this, but Akiva Schaefer, Akiva Schaefer is the director of this movie, but he's directed many interesting things, many things that I think you like. Um, you like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He directed a couple episodes of that. Oh, okay. He directed um, one of your favorite things. I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. He re- directed nine episodes of that. And- Ooh. Understandably, he directed other things with um, Mr. Uh, Andy Samberg, mm-hmm. which uh, pop star Never Stop Never Stopping is uh, one of the main ones. What a brilliant movie. So yeah, he's no stranger to uh, collaborating on very uh, specific mm-hmm. uh, comedy projects, including Saturday Night Live, which he directed 68 episodes of, Damn, which is wild. Yeah. So that's kind of his thing. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. It is cool. Yeah. Definitely intend to watch this. I just didn't watch it yet. Um, I didn't think you were going to watch it. You didn't tell me you were going to watch it. You didn't say, hey, Diamond, are you watching this this week so we can talk about it? You're like, so we can make the conversation more interesting for the audience? No, no. Of course not. I think I, I feel like last week I said, like, I can't wait for this movie. That is not you telling me that you watch, you're watching the movie in any stretch of the imagination, considering you say that for a lot of movies and you never watch them. Like the number of movies. Well, Simon, this is a, I think this is a you problem. You were just the way number- too into your Scottish accent to remember that I said verbatim, I'm going to watch this movie next week. Uh, it doesn't matter if you said that. You said, I'm going to watch this movie next week so many times and did not follow through to the point where I watched certain movies 
thinking you were going to watch them and you just didn't do it. So what are you, what are you talking about? That's a lie. There's no evidence. Just send Jimmy or audio video technician a message so that he can relay it to me because we don't talk outside this podcast. And then of course, then he would tell me that you watched the movie and then I could watch it beforehand and then we'd be on the same page. But no, of course not. Of course not. Why, why would you be organized? I don't know. I got to do all the work here. Do all the work. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I also did watch one more like movie that I'll, I'll tell you about real quick. You just said you'd... I'm going to be really brief on this one. See how I can't trust what you say? I said that I'm not going to talk about anything else, but I lied. I lied, Simon. Plot twist. Well, no, not a plot twist. Just, that's exactly my point. <laughs> I feel like you're proving it. You proved it moments later. I watched Don't Breathe 2, Simon. Don't Breathe 2. Yeah, the sequel to Don't Breathe, the first one. And you loved it. You just loved this movie. It was one of your favorite movies of the year. Now, this movie is genuinely awful, and I cannot recommend it. It's genuinely an awful movie. The grotesque violence and and and... Yeah, that doesn't even help it. It doesn't help it. It's kind of it kind of reminds me of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie where even that grotesque violence couldn't save a shit movie. I think you're maturing, Adrian. I think you're maturing. That's what's happening. Here. I th- I think the my main issue with Don't Breathe to the sequel to Don't Breathe the first one is that um the main character, the protagonist is um the antagonist from the first one who is uh, a crazy person that rapes and kills people and they try to make you they they try to make you sympathize with this guy and I don't want to cuz he's a rapist and a murderer it kind of reminds me of like season 3 of uh um what's that show 13 reasons why where like one of the characters is a rapist and then the season 3 starts off like oh you should feel bad for him he's he had a troubled past it's like the guy raped people I don't know. But anyways, I'll leave it at that. Awful movie. Cannot recommend it. The first one's genuinely phenomenal. The second one is one of the worst things I've seen. Wow. And that's it. That's all. Damn. Yeah. Plot. Plot comes first, Adrian. Plot comes first. Mm, Yeah. Sometimes. Even if there's giant dinosaurs, even if there's kaiju in this house, still needs good plot. Is kaiju in your house? No, because that would be impossible. What kind of a kaiju would it be if it was in my house? Reddington, tiny kaiju. It's a mini kaiju. That's that's like an oxymoron. You can't have a tiny kaiju. Agree to disagree on that one. Woo! Adrian, my friend. It's getting hot in my room. An episode of Adrian Contradictions again. Classic split focus. You know what I'm saying? Classic, dude. Classic modern. Anyways, Adrian, I watched two trailers this week, and then we can move on to the news. I watched two trailers. I watched the trailer for the for the movie, or actually for the TV series. She-Hulk, mm-hmm. Attorney at Law, Adrian. Did you watch the trailer, She-Hulk? Yeah. Attorney at Law, the upcoming TV series from Disney Plus starring- um, Tatiana Maslany. Thank you. And Mark Ruffalo. Uh, what'd you think? What'd you think? Um, I thought the trailer itself, like what the story's going to be, seems kind of interesting. But I think the CG for She-Hulk is genuinely atrocious. Like it looks so bad. Yeah. And I it looks really bad. And I was like confused. I was like, why would you release this? Like, is this because it, it can't be the finished product? It can't be because, like, again, I think about Moon Knight, and I and that was one of my criticisms of Moon Knight. There's like a car chase scene that looks like shit, but at least the characters in Moon Knight that are CG characters look great, and they're not the terribly distracting. No, like that it's man, but this is she's very distracting in that form in that trailer. She it's, like. 
Uh-huh. Her face is like completely CG. It's uh, it, it's uncomfortable. It's as distracting as my Scottish accent in the first yeah. twenty minutes of episode ninety eight. It's like it's like the it's like Rory, um, Rory, Rory from Men from Men. Yeah, in that kid, it looks like that when he was a child. Yeah, but it's not meant to be unsettling. Yeah, yeah, that that worked in the context of that mm-hmm. movie. But this is not good, and I imagine that it's not done because there was apparently. There's kind of like a leaked release date or a release window, and they, it looked like that Disney was kind of forced to put out a trailer, and they may not have been done with it. I don't know for sure though, because we'll only know until when we actually see the the series when it finally comes out. But I really mm-hmm. hope they fix that because her face is just man. It's, it's like unf- uh, you know what it is? It's Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, Adrian. <laughs> She's an animated character in the real world. Yeah. How did this happen in the Marvel universe? I don't understand. Yeah. 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 Not good. And uh, yeah, that was that's one of those examples where the CG was so bad, I like could p- barely pay attention to what was going on. I was like, "What is this show going to be about?" I'm not usually that distracted by it because I try to, you know, put the suspension of disbelief out there. But I feel like mm. this was distracting enough that it, it kind of ruined the trailer. Like I, I watched it another two times after the first time. I was like, "Ooh, this isn't good at all." And then I watched the second and third time the same trailer. I'm like, "Oh, this the plot has something. I feel like it could be good." I just don't, I couldn't see fast how bad the CG was. Yeah. Anyway, so hopefully that's good. And then I also watched the the trailer for the movie, the old, actually, is this a movie? No, this is a TV series as well. This mm. is a, a thriller TV series called The Old Man. Did you see this trailer? I don't think so. This looks, this looks great. This is Feel. Jeff Bridges, who just went through uh-huh. like cancer treatment and his cancer is in remission. So thank goodness for that. Cause I love Jeff Bridges. So that's awesome. And then Jeff Bridges is a like a, a retired hitman basically, and he gets hired for one last job or whatever. But it looks badass. Like the trailer, nice, looks really good. And Jeff Bridges in this type of role, I haven't really seen too much of. So count me in for that. I, I think I'll see this as long as I can, because of course it's on FX, and FX has such a weird relationship. Uh. With streaming services in Canada, even though FX is literally owned by Disney now, and it could go on Disney Plus, it likely won't, and we're probably gonna have problems seeing this. But, but anyways, I did remember we talked about the old man like months ago, probably like a year, two years ago, when we started our podcast, and then it took like a big hiatus, I think, because of Jeff Bridges kind of going through cancer treatment, and also mm-hmm. COVID happened, and so there's a whole bunch of stuff, and apparently they were, they all kind of waited for him to go through his cancer treatment and, and it worked out. It was so well, crazy. That's good. Yeah. I, I was very excited to hear that he's, he's back baby. Cause I, when I watched that trailer, I'm like, Jeff Bridges. I'm like, I hope this is not something that was filmed like before his cancer diagnosis, but it was after I'm like, yes, how great is this? What a comeback story. I love it. Mm-hmm. So John Lithgow's in this movie too, which is really cool. Anyway, I'm really excited. Sorry. I keep saying movie. It's a TV series. It's a thriller TV series, but yeah. I'm excited. That looks good. If it's not good, I'd be kind of surprised because it does look pretty great. So yeah, that's all I've watched this week, Adrian. That's pretty much all I've watched. You know, I think we should move on to the news now. What do you think? The news mm. for this week's film and TV news. What do you think? I think, Simon, I actually watched one more thing this week. You ready? Uh, oh, come on. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, actually, I did. I'm just not going to talk about it. Okay, great. Let's begin with two chosen focus stories that Adrian has deemed the most topical this week. Number one. As reported by publication Vanity Fair and The Hollywood Reporter, Spider-Man Homecoming trilogy director John Watts has been hired on to executive produce a new Star Wars Disney Plus series, which is set to take place after the events of Return of the Jedi. 
The new series is meant to be a Star Wars coming-of-age story with a very 1980s aesthetic, with a similar style to Amblin films like E.T. or The Goonies. Spider-Man Homecoming screenwriter Chris Ford is also on board as producer. John Watts very recently chose to step down from his role as director of Marvel's upcoming Fantastic Four movie, with the claim being that he wanted to do something different for a little while. In that same Vanity Fair expose on the Star Wars universe, Star Wars executive producer Kathleen Kennedy ruled out the possibility of future Alden Ehrenreich starring Han Solo-centered movie sequels. Solo, a Star Wars story, had actor Alden Ehrenreich play a young Han Solo and Donald Glover play a young Lando Calrissian, which Kennedy specifically called out as a mistake. She now believes that recasting legacy characters like Han Solo is something that Disney should not do, due to Solo a Star Wars story having performed relatively poorly at the box office in comparison to other Star Wars movies. Another revelation from this Vanity Fair article is Kennedy's claim that the last Jedi director, Ryan Johnson's announced Star Wars trilogy, was backburnered due to Johnson's incredibly busy schedule. Adrian, lots of news coming out about uh, about Star mm-hmm. Wars here, despite the fact that we're not even a week away from... Obi-Wan? No, Star Wars Day on the 25th of May. Oh! Wow. Yeah. It's exciting, dude. Incredible. So I imagine there's going to be a lot more news, like maybe when the Andor series is coming out, probably. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I'd imagine that's going to be announced, but we'll see. But uh, lots here. So let's unpack some of it. Let's talk about that uh, Star Wars Disney Plus series first with uh, John Watts, mm-hmm. executive producing. What do you think? I think this is great, honestly. I mean, I know that he's just being like he's just an executive producer um, on this and not like the lead writer or director. Um, although I can, I can see that changing, uh, but John Watts has obviously proven himself with the past, like Spider-Man trilogy of movies, um, that he knows what's up. He knows he's a great creative and I think he's someone good to have on your side and someone that you want to keep around Disney in this case, um, to, you know, keep on helping you develop different content and different, you know, um, I guess series is, uh, whether it's movies or TV show. Uh, <laughs> I'm having trouble with plurals today as well, man. There's a couple things going on with me today. Um, mm. But this idea that it's like this coming of age story with like a 1980s aesthetic. I quite like that. I like that as an idea. I think that's super cool and unique. The one thing that I'm not too excited about is just the, the, the time that it's taking place. You know, it's taking place right after return of the Jedi. Um, which is the same time that the Mandalorian series is taking place, as well as the same time the Ahsoka series is taking place, as well as the same time the Book of Boba Fett series took place. So it's, I I feel like we should just kind of move on from this time period and go, I I don't know, way back or way into the future and just kind of be, you know, uh, don't continue to suffer from this like small universe syndrome because I can, that's not small universe syndrome, just to be clear. I mean, that's time time and place syndrome. It's just a I know, small... but I, like, I can pretty much guarantee that we're going to have some Easter eggs or references or other characters crossing into the show. Like, I wouldn't be shocked about that. We'll probably, you know, like someone will go to Tatooine or something like that. I just feel like there's so much time that you could play around with that I don't think, like, I, I don't see why it has to be during... This time frame. I just don't really get it. I don't get your concern because they're going to be doing this for the next 80 years. So <laughs> they've got lots of time to go back in time. 
I think it's going to be fine. I'm not worried. I only care about it being good. Everything else doesn't matter. When it takes place doesn't matter. The idea of an 80s aesthetic in the Star Wars universe sounds great to me. Just to correct you there, um, John Watts is the creator of the series. So that's important to note. He's not just the executive producer. He's not just slapping oh, he- his name on there. He's creating the series with uh, okay. with Chris Ford. So Okay, awesome. Sorry if that was... It was lost in translation, but anyway. Well, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I don't know. I'm excited. I don't care about the the time period. I don't really care. I want them to go back, but I just want a series in that time period. Like in the back, we're talking like Knights of the Old Republic type, mm-hmm. type idea. Whatever yeah. the, the other age is, I mean, uh, our, our top writer-in or Kenneth Satabar could correct us on the Star Wars history, but I feel like I want something back there. Do, do, does that mean that I exclusively want stuff back there? No. I'm good with them hanging around this time period as long as they're not repeating themselves. So that's the only thing that I care about the most. They just got to not repeat themselves. They got to create different stories that are neat. And I think The Mandalorian and um, Bo- The Book of Boba Fett have both been awesome. And so I don't, I'm not really worried. As long as they continue on this path of making great content, I don't really care where it takes place. Just like I'm not going to say, oh, you know what? Marvel should go back in time. Like, why don't they go back a thousand years? Like, why are they doing it only now? It's like, I don't care about that. It just doesn't matter to me. Why is why are there 30 movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that are only in this time period? Like, what? why is it only takes take place over 10 years? It's like, that, that's the t- type of span of time we're dealing with after Return of the Jedi. Aren't we like we're dealing with like a 10 to 20 year period? Uh, yeah, I don't know the exact time frame. I want to say it's like 30, but I might be wrong about that. But most of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies also take place on Earth. So shouldn't yeah, they just take place? But I don't think I don't that's. Know. I don't know. I don't think that's a fair comparison, uh, to be honest with you. Just because. But why? Because Star Wars in general, like it, we've had literally three separate time periods already in the movie franchise, like three yeah. like specific time periods, as well as with like Star Wars Legends and stuff like that. They've gone way back. They've they they've already like. The universe of Star Wars is far larger than the Marvel universe, I would make the argument for, at least what we've seen on screen alone. But even um, with everything else, I think Star Wars, you just have way more room to play around with. You can go back a thousand years, whereas like... And they will. No worries. Yeah, I'm just saying I would rather it be sooner rather than later because we're just getting a lot of this time frame all at once when we could just spread it out. I think what's happening, I think the reason why they might be doing this they're doing the safe bet of what the MCU is. That's the that's my only not a criticism, but it's like a weird thing. Like, okay, they're playing it safe because if you play in this time period, then you can have characters cross over, which people mm. really like. And I think you really like Adrian, honestly, if I'm being honest. You like the MCU, you like crossovers, you loved Chippendale Rescue Rangers, which is just a whole bunch of cameos. It seems like that's something you really liked about that movie. So I think that that's what they're playing with. This concept that the Mandalorian can just show up in the Ahsoka series, theoretically, or whatever the period of time these they're gonna be there's gonna be overlap. So there's gonna be talk of mm-hmm. these various characters theoretically, which is okay. I I think that's the safety, the safety play there. But I like the theme of this, and that's kind of the, my my main thing that I like to point out. I just think that the theme of this particular series that John Watts is putting on here is great. I, I really excited to see a, a kind of a Stranger Things vibe in the in a TV series about Star Wars, or really a Spider-Man Homecoming vibe, like in that Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home and No Way Home are movies that are about a coming of age story. 
And so that's really cool. And I'm hoping that he can just do this justice and I'm, I'm excited to see what this is. That's what I would say. I I don't know. I, I feel like it wouldn't work as much if to do this type of plot if you went a thousand years back because you have less points of reference because we've never really seen on a TV series or a movie that time period. We've only really seen it in video games and in the extra comics and all that jazz that aren't really canon anymore. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like if we go back a thousand years, wherever that uh, the old Republic is, I guess you could do it, try to do a coming of age story in like the prequel generation, but people don't really like the prequels, I guess. Although they're coming around on them now, it seems like. So I don't know. I get what you're saying, but I don't necessarily agree. That's what I'm going to go with. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, you're, you're entitled to your opinion, man. I sure am. I sure am. Yeah. Okay. So moving on then. What did you think about the concept of Kathleen Kennedy taking issue with the fact that they recast Han Solo and then saying that they won't do that again? Because people Mm. were constantly, I think people have called, there are a lot of fans who have called for a Han Solo sequel movie with Alden Ehrenreich in the leading role. People like the Solo, a Star Wars story movie and... I mean, obviously not enough people watched it because that's why this has happened. But what do you think of that idea that she's claiming that the reason why people didn't like it is because Han Solo was recast? I think that's wrong. I think Kathleen Kennedy is wrong in this case because I I don't think that was the issue with the movie. I would argue that Alden Ehrenreich and Donald Glover playing Han and Lando respectively – was highlights of that movie. I thought they did a really great job. And, you know, I believe that they were those characters. I found that the issue with this movie um, and why I think it didn't do well is when they released it, because they released it only, I went like a few months, like three to five months after The Last Jedi, which was unfortunately on an audience level, not critically, like not well received. Uh, from a lot of people. A lot of people were like up in arms about it, which kind of soured people's taste on Star Wars during that like brief period of time. A lot of people's, at least I should say, not me, because I love The Last Jedi. And I don't necessarily think it was marketed all too well either, if I recall correctly. Yep, that's exactly what I thought. That's If I was going to say like, but I, I they must have market research. Is she just talking, like she's just saying this, like, oh, this is what I think. You'd think she would have market research to prove that the reason why people didn't watch this movie is because they were concerned that Han Solo was recast. I think that's bad information if that's some kind of research. I, I think that they pulled the audience and they pulled the wrong percentage of people. I, I, I don't I don't see that happening. I really agree with you. I, I really think it was marketing. They they released this movie less than a year, less than six months, I think. Yeah, it was less than six months. Mm-hmm. The Star Wars the Last Je- the Last Jedi aired in December of 2017. This movie came out in May, the beginning of May of 2018. Yeah. Like that's the first time they've done that where they put the movies that close together and they I swear people just thought that this was the Last Jedi being re-aired. There's never been Star Wars movies this close together ever I don't think in the history of Star Wars. I could be wrong. Kenneth Stadelbauer correct me. I don't think there has been. So that's a weird Thing. I, I didn't even figure that at all. I never thought that that was the reasoning. It's funny because Ron Howard, the director of that movie, Solo, A Star Wars Story, said that it actually didn't do that badly on a perspective of making money. It just didn't make enough money for a Star Wars movie because Star mm-hmm. Wars movies make so much money. So it's like, okay. Because you have this like plot thread going 
And we're, I'm not going to say what, because I don't want to spoil it, although it's older now, older now, but there's a plot thread that just didn't continue for a solo Star Wars story. Like there's, there's sequels to be had, but they just are never going to do it because, because Alden Ehrenreich was cast as Han Solo instead of Harrison Ford. Like, I don't know. That's, again, I don't think that was the reason, but I don't know. They must have market research that shows that because why would you just say that? Yeah. I just don't think the marketing was good. They they didn't market it properly. They didn't market it hard enough. They you're right. The Last Jedi was not poor, was not received well at all. That's a really good point. Like people were really, really bitter about the Star Wars universe. They were thinking, oh, they ruined Star Wars or whatever. And then they launch this Han Solo movie, and I guess there's a maybe there's a chain reaction too, right? You're like, oh, now you're launching this solo movie with somebody else playing Han Solo. If you yeah, I guess if you put the Han Solo movie with Alden Aaron Reich, Reich right next to a movie that kind of changes Star Wars movies in a substantial way, like The Last Jedi did to a point where people thought that Star Wars was ruined, I guess if you put those together right back to back in a close proximity, then I guess you're right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I guess you're kind of right because you're right. Casting Alden Aaron Reich was a mistake in that it came out right next to The Last Jedi, which sort of changed Star Wars in a way that people really didn't like. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to change Star Wars even more by having Alden Ehrenreich. So if that movie came out in December of that year, of 2018, I bet you it would have done gangbusters, maybe. Yeah. And then they would never have thought about that. And they would have never thought, oh, it's because we recast Han Solo. Yeah. We recast Harrison Ford. So. And honestly, on top of all that stuff, I feel like the press around Solo was quite negative because the original directors were fired. Like Phil Lord and Chris Miller, they were yeah. fi- fired, quote unquote, let go. They left due to creative differences. And then Ron yeah. Howard was brought in. So I think a lot of the press around that film was already negative, too. So I think the big mistake was just not letting people breathe. You, yeah, you release it in December. And I would almost guarantee it would have done way better if it came out another seven months later. Or came up before The Last Jedi. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, this, I feel like they've got to be going off bad information. But what are we, Adrian? We don't, we don't work, we don't work in the industry. You know what I'm saying? We're not even in this industry. What, what do we know? That's We're all deep I'm in the industry, baby. If you We're say deep so, in the industry. If you say so. The last thing we got to point out, I guess, is uh, quite, quite related to this. I guess Ryan Johnson, his trilogy apparently was backburnered because Johnson mm-hmm. is incredibly busy. Yeah, I mean, th- this is upsetting because, again, I love L- The Last Jedi. Um, I would have loved to see what he could have done. But, hey, like, he is busy. I don't think anyone's truly surprised about this. He came out with Knives Out. Uh, he's working on that Knives Out sequel that I think is supposed to come out this year. Um, whatever else. Maybe to theaters. Maybe to theaters. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Yeah, I did hear that. It's like a 45 uh, – Netflix is looking at doing a 45-day – um theatrical window for it exclusivity window yeah which is cool um i wonder if that's because because i think the oscars have now gone back to their original like thing where movies have to come out to theaters for a specific amount of time to be nominated is that true i didn't see that that's something that slipped my gaze in terms of looking at the news yeah i'm pretty sure i read that um i could be wrong but but i feel like i remember reading that this past week so that that's my assumption as as to why netflix wants to do that but who knows, my friend? Who knows? But yeah, this is uh, it's disappointing. But hey, man, Ryan Johnson, he's a great director. I'm excited to see what else he can come up with. I'm excited for this Knives Out sequel um, and then whatever else he comes uh, along doing. Because 
he doesn't have to make another Star Wars movie. I'm okay with it. You know, uh, we got The Last Jedi, which I love. I think it's awesome, but I'm not like extremely disappointed. Good call on that. Uh, that's a great call out. Um, I didn't see that. The Hollywood Reporter is reporting that too. Uh, between the period of January 1st, 2022 and December 31st, 2022 for film releases, the Academy is now returning to its traditional calendar year. Eligibility period and requirement of a theatrical release. So they they basically bent that rule because of COVID nineteen mm-hmm. uh, for two years, and they're going back to that rule. You need a theatrical release to qualify. That's really cool. That's uh, neat. That's great because it's just going to bolster theaters again, which is fair because I feel like that's kind of the Oscars like lifeblood, like is is the the, the theatrical release. So it's great that they're promoting that. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's great, Adrian. Great call out there. Great call out. Good job. Good job, my friend. Good job. Thanks. All right. Let's move on to number two. Number two. According to publication in The Hollywood Reporter, Stanley Universe has signed a deal with Marvel to enable the use of the late Marvel Comics Legends likeness across the Marvel spectrum of products and productions. In other words, a version of Stan Lee can possibly make appearances on Marvel TV series, movies, theme parks, and paraphernalia under the terms of this new deal. Stan Lee Universe is a subsidiary partnership between Genius Brand International and POW Entertainment. POW Entertainment is a company founded by Stan Lee, Gil Champion, and Arthur Lieberman in 2020, which has claimed to be a steward of the Stan Lee legacy, while Genius Brand is a global children's media brand. As the Hollywood Reporter article mentions, although there is a potential for use of Stan Lee's likeness in potential Marvel Cinematic Universe movie cameo appearances, there is certainly a hesitancy to create a digital Stan Lee cameo due to potential audience blowback for such a move. Adrian, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? I agree. I think there would be a lot of audience blowback for this. And this is kind of weird. I don't like this idea of like digital re- like recreating people digitally after they pass away and putting them in movies using old scenes just for like cameo purposes. I think this is a very slippery slope and I'm not a fan of this one bit at all. The one thing that's kind of like holding me back a bit though, is that I don't, I don't know Stanley personally. I never met him, but maybe this is something he would have liked. Maybe he would have liked that would like to be immortalized and continue to show up in these movies um, you know, and, and other things that, you know, he, he had a huge hand in creating originally, but as you know, someone from the outside looking in, I, I don't like this at all. I think, I think it's weird. It's eerie. It's uncomfortable. It's like the movie men. <laughs> it's just, it's not, it's, it just doesn't seem right. And it, it doesn't seem like a hill we should, you know, like, a path we should go down. Uh, I, what do you think about this? Well, I think they're not going to put him in a movie or TV show, so I'm not really worried, basically. <laughs> That's my two cents. You don't think they're going to do it at all? I, I like it. Doesn't look like it. Doesn't look like it. Based on the more, like that uh, Hollywood Reporter article, it looks like they don't intend to do that, um, at least right mm-hmm. away. The question is whether they do it in the future, and then, I mean, they could just like kind of put it in slowly, drip feed it. So maybe they'll put him in into certain cameo appearances over time. I just don't think they're going to do cameo appearances like he's been in previously. Like they're not going to throw him into a appearance like they threw him into Age of Ultron. I don't think that's their intention. I think it's just to make action figures that are Stan Lee or um, put, throw him into a theme park. 
kind of like uh, Walt Disney is in the center kind of when you walk into Magic Kingdom. He's just uh, standing there with Mickey Mouse, like with his hand outstretched. It's a, mm. a famous statue. I don't know. That's kind of what I figured that they're going to do with this. I don't, I don't think that they're going to put him in, in a cameo appearance in the movie or TV show. I think that there is, isn't an appetite for that, as I think that the, the Hollywood Reporter article mentioned specifically. Yeah. So I, I'm not really worried. I feel like there will be blowback, and I just don't think it's going to happen. But uh, I mean, it might, I guess. I, I guess they have the technology for it. Or not, if you look at <laughs> She-Hulk, am I right? Oh, you're right, dude. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not too worried. Uh, you really think they're going to do this? Eh? That's the impression you got from reading that article? Because it literally says in the article, it looks like they're not going to do that. I don't know, man. I think they will. Like, uh, maybe I'm just being pessimistic, but I, I genuinely think they will. Like, there's money on the table. It's something that... Is it? Is there money on the table? Why is there money I, on the table? Who wants this? I don't know. Like, I imagine that, like they're going to... I don't know. I feel like there is always like money involved. And, you know, I think... I I genuinely can see this kind of happening personally, and although I, I don't know, I'm more on the on the side that I think again it's a slippery slope. They they they're gonna start doing these little things, and then like you said, maybe they'll drip feed it, and then eventually we're just gonna have Stan Lee in these movies, and they're gonna use old scenes and put him in, and then you know I imagine a lot of people probably don't even know Stan Lee passed away, so if they do it earlier than later, they're just gonna put it in like, oh yeah, there's Stan Lee again hmm. or whatever. I don't know. No, I don't think any everyone has their like ear to the ground. I can just, I don't know. I can see that this uh, is going to happen, and it's not a path I I think we should go down on. Like I mentioned, I think they're gonna do it tastefully. I don't know, but just based on the way that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been handled so far, this isn't Sony. Like I don't know. I, I just don't get the impression that this is like a Fox's X-Men series near the end of its run. Like, I just didn't get that impression. Like, they're just going to throw him in as a cameo in like a weird misconceived notion of why people like Stan Lee in cameos. I don't know. It's possible. I just think that Kevin Feige really respected Stan Lee, quite frankly. And I don't think Kevin Feige is going to be like, oh, you know what we're going to do? I don't know. It just seems unlikely. If they do it, they're going to do it in such a way that they respect him. I think that would be the only way that, unless Kevin Feige steps down, I think that that would be the way that I f- that they're going to do it. That they're going to honor his legacy with this, not besmirch it. But I mean, I could be wrong, so I guess we'll see. Yeah, this is more of a wait and see type thing. But again, I I, um, I don't know. I, I don't really trust big studios and stuff, and I can just see them doing this. For the sake of doing it. Well, I trust people in some cases. I mean, I don't trust any of these executives necessarily, but I, I trusted what they've made so far. And so I yeah. look at their track record. So studios are one thing. That's a conglomerate that, you know, is kind of unyielding theoretically, but I, it does yield in some aspects. Like Feige does call the shots and he hasn't made mistakes really very often. It's pretty rare, in fact, that he has. So that's kind of where I'm judging it. It's like if this was Sony, then I'd be like, hmm, I don't know. So a lot of chefs in that kitchen, a lot of executive producers that don't seem to know what they're doing. Like that's that's kind of where I'm judging it. That's where I'm getting this from. Yeah. Or, or if it's Star Wars, actually. <laughs> like honestly. Mm. If it's Star Wars, I don't know what we're going to get. I don't know if Kenobi's going to be good. I think Deborah Chow knows what she's doing. I think that's going to be really cool. But is that show going to be good? Will Andor be good? I think Kathleen Kennedy's comments recently, I think they're kind of off base and I don't understand. And I think Rise of Skywalker is like one of the worst endings you could have possibly had for nine movies. Like that's a lot of time that passed between the first and the ninth movie that released. 
Mm-hmm. And Rise of Skywalker is one of my least favorite movies I've ever seen. So it's garbage. It's terrible. It's a shit movie. So if it was up to, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, I mean, maybe we'd have all of these characters. Like maybe Carrie Fisher is going to be starring in a movie. That's eerie. Is that what you mean? Yeah. It's a little eerie to do that, right? It's okay for Luke to be starring in a movie it's a, it, or a TV series. It's okay to have Mark Hamill come back. He's more than willing. Anyway, classic Kathleen Kennedy just destroying Star Wars, spitting on her fans. Yeah, that I don't believe, but she strikes me as a business executive first, as opposed to a creative. That's the issue. I will point out one thing. There was a call for Kathleen Kennedy to be fired, which I thought was outrageous and stupid Mm -hmm. when The Last Jedi aired, if you remember. Yeah. Very annoying, very stupid, arguably sexist in a lot of circles. Of course. Here's one thing, though, I'll say. There was a call for her to be fired, and there was a call call for Rose Tico to not be in the series anymore. Which one of those happened? Rose Tico is not in the series anymore, Sam, Simon. Final answer. Yeah. Okay. I just want to say that. like, You're going to make a stance, but you're going to make a stance for something that the fans want, which yeah. wasn't, by the way, on base. Neither of which should have been on base. Kathleen Kennedy should have been fired. Fire Kathleen Kennedy instead. Bring Rose Tico back. She shouldn't have been fired. And Rose Tico shouldn't have been, Kelly Marie Tran should have been in Rise of Skywalker because she was an established character from the previous episode. So like both of those things could have not come true. It was a small subset of toxic fans asking for very specific things to happen in Rise of Skywalker to fix the quote unquote mistakes in The Last Jedi. A Wookiee medal, as an example, going back on many of the parts of The Last Jedi, they just course corrected and changed Things that already happened in The Last Jedi. But they were all also asking for Kathleen Kennedy to be fired. And for some reason, they were negotiating with these toxic fans. And it's like, don't negotiate at all. No negotiation. Let the creatives create. Kathleen Kennedy should have been fired? Question no. mark, exclamation point. If you're trying to gear up this to be the, the name of our episode, Adrian, because I think it's what you're doing, I, I'm not falling for that bait. Clickbait, baby. Clickbait, baby. We're bringing it in. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, we're bringing it in like we're, we're you know, it's uh, we got this covered or hype beast. Mm-hmm. Some of the greatest websites of disinformation that the world has ever seen for pop culture. All right. We've t- gone on long enough. Let's move on to the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present 11 of the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, according to publication Variety. Netflix is working on a sixth season of science fiction series, Black Mirror. Oh, okay. I've only seen one episode. Number two, as Variety reports, Face Off director John Woo's upcoming Joel Kinnaman starring action movie, Silent Night, has finished production. Silent Night marks John Woo's U.S. directorial return after more than a decade absence from the American market. Oh, holy night. Number three, as Publication Deadline reports, The Office star Mindy Kaling is developing an adult animated Scooby-Doo spin-off series following classic character Velma. Velma will be voice acted by Mindy Kaling herself. Wow, okay. They uh, had this uh, little image of this with a decapitated person, and I was like, whoa. Number four, as followed by Publication The Hollywood Reporter, Tower of God creator Takashi Sano has been hired on to create a Rick and Morty spin-off anime series for the Adult Swim Network. The anime will run for 10 episodes and will be called simply Rick and Morty the Anime. I am so curious about this. I really want to watch it. Number five. 
As Variety reports, network The CW's Archie Comics adaptation, Riverdale, will end after its seventh season. Oh, okay. Number six. As reported by Variety, Marvel Studios has begun production on the Alakwa Cox starring Echo TV series for streaming service Disney+. Wonderful. I'm curious what they're going to do with this. Number seven. As Variety reports, Covert Affairs TV series creators Chris Ord and Matt Corman have been hired on as showrunners for the upcoming Disney Plus Daredevil TV series. Okay, will this be a reboot? Will this take place after the Netflix series? Will this be R-rated? So many questions left to be answered. Number eight. As Deadline reports, WandaVision director Matt Shackman has been hired on to direct the first two episodes of the upcoming Apple TV Plus MonsterVerse-based TV series, Godzilla and the Titans. Nice. I'm excited for this. Number nine. As Deadline has reported... The Queen actor Helen Mirren and Indiana Jones actor Harrison Ford have each been cast in Yellowstone creator Tyler Sheridan's third upcoming Yellowstone spinoff series, 1932. Interesting. This Yellowstone show, super popular. I have not watched any of it. I'm curious. Number 10. As Deadline reports, actor David Oyelowo has been cast in Paramount's upcoming Tyler Sheridan-produced fourth Yellowstone spinoff, 1883, The Bass Reef's Story. The Emmy-nominated Oyelowo will play the Lone Ranger inspiration, Bass Reeves. I swear to God, we just talked about a third one. Now there's a fourth already? Number 11. As Deadline reports, the good dinosaur director Peter Sohn has been tapped as director for a Pixar animated film called Elemental that has been scheduled for a summer 2023 release window. The new movie will be set in a world in which elements such as wind, water, and fire are each personified as characters. Cool. Will this be the first Pixar film back in theaters, Simon? It will not, because Lightyear is coming out in June. Oh, yeah. And that concludes the montage. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Okay, Adrian. What do you got for me, buddy? What do you got for me? I got new releases for you, Simon. This is for the week of May 23rd to May 29th. And the first movie that's coming out is coming out on Monday, May 23rd. It's a movie called Godspeed. This is a Netflix original Turkish drama. Up next, we got Tuesday, May 24th. There's a movie coming. Whoa. Should I slow down? No, no, keep going, keep going. I like this pace. It's interesting. There's a movie coming out called Viva Maestro. This comes from my movie inside on the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand documentary following a musician that goes around the world. Next up is a movie coming out on Wednesday, May 25th. Okay, okay, okay. Larva okay, Pendant. Okay. This is a Netflix original animated movie based on the Larva Kids animated series. Next up Ooh. is Thursday, May 26th. It's the My Little Pony Make Your Mark Netflix original uh, one off animated special set in the My Little Pony universe. <gasps> Whoa. Next up is movies coming out on Friday, May 27th. Wow. There's a movie called Emergency. This is confirmed by Movie Insider in the trail. This is coming out on Amazon Prime Video about a couple of black dudes that plan to hit up seven parties in one night only to find out a passed out white teenage girl on the floor in their living room. Yikes. Yeah, the trailer looks good. Uh, this looks like it's supposed to be a comedy, kind of, like a dark comedy. Mm. Um, so I'm actually quite curious about that one. Kick Like Taylor is confirmed by Movie Insider in the trailer. This is another Amazon Prime video documentary this time about athlete Taylor Harris and the effect cyberbullying had on her life during the height of her career in, I think, last year. Hmm, okay, okay. Next up is a movie called The Taste of Whales, confirmed by Movie Insider on the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie. It's a documentary following two proud whalers and two shepherd activists during grind season. Simon. Grind season? Yeah. 
I don't know what grind season is. I think it's when like people wail, whales. Oh, I thought you're. I thought it was like referencing clubbing or something. Yeah, they grind. Or the or the, no, there's that app, right? There's that app, Grinder, for the homosexual community. Yeah, yeah. The middleman is up next. This is confirmed by an ad on Instagram. This is coming to theaters apparently, and it's about a man who is tasked with the job of breaking bad news to a small town. Oh, however. I don't know what theaters this is coming out to, Simon, because it ain't coming out to Landmark, nor is it coming out to Cineplex. Yikes. You know what I thought you were going to say? I think you were going to say, literally in the description, a man who is tasked with being the man in the middle. Because you haven't done any of these, none of these, uh, none of these descriptions have been joke descriptions. And that's unlike you, Adrian. Sorry, are you, is this Adrian that I'm talking to? Or is this like some kind of like CG replica? Have you ever, have you been replaced mm-hmm. with a uh, a likeness uh, replica? I have indeed, Simon. I am a CG replica. If you were to look at me, you would know. But alas, we record remotely in different rooms, and it's hard to tell when it's just audio. Mm-hmm. So, yikes! Top Gun Maverick is up next. It's confirmed by Cineplex. It's coming to theaters, and it's apparently really good. I uh, I kind of want to watch this, but I got to watch the original Top Gun prior to watching this. So. I really got to see the original Top Gun. That's a mm-hmm. huge miss. Uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago or last week or whatever. And that first Top Gun movie is pretty, uh, pretty well known. And I just love the music from that. So I, I used to like really listen to that mm-hmm. score. But you know what Top Gun is on Rotten Tomatoes? I looked at it recently and I was kind of shocked by how- It's like a 50 something. Yeah. Yeah. It's not high. So it's interesting because you know what Top Gun Maverick is on Rotten Tomatoes, Adrian? It's like 90 something. It's like 97 or something. Unless it's dropped since I last saw it. But uh, I think they got a standing O at uh, standing ovation at Cannes, the Cannes Film Festival. That's cool. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. And then the final movie coming out this week is Bob's Burgers, the movie. This is confirmed by Cineplex and it's coming to theaters. And this is based on the series called Bob's Burgers, Simon. Ooh. And the writers of this show, the creators of this show are arguably going to be, well, they probably already wrote the script for Daredevil. Daredevil, sorry, Deadpool three mm-hmm. yeah but uh that's the next project i'm assuming that they will be involved in at least to kind of mm-hmm. maybe give some guidance in terms of what their script is cool beans dude did they start filming that i don't think so right no i don't i think ryan reynolds is I don't, I don't believe so no yeah okay anyways that's it that's all baby that's it cool man cool that's all there's a goddamn mosquito in my room oh i see you you son of a bitch fuck you i'll kill you i'll end your family lineage Yikes. Anyways. Well, that'll be hard, to be honest. I'll give him the good old clap. There's a high chance that that mosquito already laid laid eggs in your toilet or something. So I'll lay eggs in its toilet. Can't leave that still water, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's why I have my toilets constantly fr- flushing. It never stops. You constantly just walk over to it and flush the toilet? I just have a little rope that pulls down the lever. From your room? Yep. Oh, okay. You just close the lid. It might be better for the environment. No, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I have well water. There's never ending. There's never ending water here, Simon. It's well water. That's not how it works. Yeah, Simon. Real quick. Yes. Last week I talked about the foods I made and I ate. Yeah, yeah. And I mentioned that I was going to make a dish called shahi paneer, Simon, which is like a oh, yeah, mm-hmm. like a curry, like an Indian curry dish, a traditional Indian curry dish. Yeah. And I did indeed make it. And let me tell you, man, it was really good. I brought it to work. I work with a lot of uh, people from India. Um, uh, And 
one of the the people that I told, uh, she's she's this wonderful uh, lady, and literally, you know, like I mentioned, like oh, like I actually made it. She's like, oh my goodness, that's so awesome. Like I want to try it. Uh, I also made non from scratch too. Wow. And she's like, oh, I've never actually made non from scratch. Anyways, she went in. She like had a bite of my uh, shahi paneer, put it on that non, and she literally said that this is like some of the best shahi paneer she's ever had, and she was like super stoked about it. I was like, man, thank you. She like even took a picture and sent it to her husband. Probably wrote like this fucking random white dude knows how to cook Indian food. How wild is that? And uh, or she just wrote this freaking guy thought he made a great Shahi paneer. I just told him that. No, no. I had a I had a couple other people try it that that are also from India just because I was like, I just want to I want to make sure this is done right. I followed a recipe on YouTube. I forget the gentleman's name. But the, mo- the 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 video was not in English. It only had English subtitles. And I got to that video and I was like, this is going to be a good one. And goddamn, it turned out really good. It was quite spicy. I even cut down the spice because I was like, it's going to be too spicy hmm. for my family. And even with the cut down spice, it was too spicy for my mother in particular. And then my girlfriend as well. She was like, I can't fucking handle this. This is a really good flavor, but it's too spicy. For me, it was good. It was a good amount of spice. I was like, yeah, I like spicy food. I, I'm I honestly like spicy food way more than the average white. So the average white. Yeah. Person. <laughs> okay. Um, I think you have some kind of misconceptions about what this podcast is about. Did you know that this is a film and TV podcast, first and foremost, Adrian? I don't know if you knew that. Um because you're I under thought- the misguidance that there's some needed percentage of the podcast that needs to be discussing food. I feel like I could be wrong. I feel like that is the case with you. I, I, I mean, hey man, it's still more interesting than your shit accents. So, look, man, I already apologized for that at the top of the show. Look, like I'm not. Are you apologizing? No, I don't think so. I think you're double di- doubling down on it. I am doubling down, baby, and I'll talk more about food next time I make some more stuffs, which is like tomorrow. But okay, probably yeah, or even right after the podcast is done. Who knows? Yeah, I'm a little hungry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well. Let's reach back into that mailbag for a moment here, shall we? As mentioned at the top of our show, Adrian, we ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of email to splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And Kenneth Stadelbauer, longtime writer inner, Kenneth Stadelbauer wrote into us and he said, Dudes, there's no question that Steve Rogers was the heart and soul and ass of the Avengers. Who do you think should replace him, though? Nick Fury already binds the characters together but would gladly sacrifice anyone to meet his agenda. Other than the obvious, Howard the Duck, Wong seems the best choice for team leader to me. A email, of course, signed here by Kenneth, who is unsure if he is lactose intolerant or just doesn't have patience with cows. And who's left a quote here, which says, I know you're doing what you believe in, and that's all any of us can do. That's all any of us should. So no matter what, I promise you, if you need us, if you need me, I'll be there. A quote by Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, from Captain America Civil War. Nice. Adrian, who do you think, based on Ken's inquiry here, mm. should replace Steve Rogers as team leader of the Avengers? Although I don't know if there's going to ever be a, quite the same team dynamic that the Avengers had in those four Avengers movies. But who do you think should replace team leader in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? We kind of questioned this when we reviewed... Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting point Ken makes by pointing out that Wong 
potentially should be the best choice for a team leader. I don't know if you agree with him or think somebody else should be team leader, but what are you thinking? I think this is an easy one. It should be (laughs) Ant-Man. You're obviously joking. No, but yeah, in all seriousness, I actually believe that instead of it being uh, like Ant-Man, it should be uh, uh, Hope. Hope Van Dyne or Hope Pym, I guess. Um, like really, who, yeah, the wasp. Huh. I think in those two movies, you know, she showed like an awesome resilience, um, like very, like a cool head, knew how to deal with these like crazy situations, and you know, as uh, I guess wasn't necessarily a part of like everything that happened in in like those big like Thanos fights and stuff. But again, she's a powerful character. She knows how to work in a team setting already with like Ant-Man in particular. And um, I also just really like her character. <laughs> so I think that's kind of a, a little curveball I'm throwing at you. Hope hmm. Van Dyne. Nine, uh, Hope Van Dyne. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. What about you, Simon? Hmm. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. I feel like the most natural choice, though, is... Anthony Mackie's Sam Wilson. Mm -hmm. I think that it would be very nice to see him fall into his own, like take the, take the reins as leader. And, uh, and I hope there's like a good, good writer attached to kind of really show that in the next kind of iteration where he's in a movie with more of these Avengers or whatever we're calling this team. Now this new team, uh, I think that there would be, I don't know. I feel like that's what I'm excited to see is that Captain Falcon, whatever, Captain America, Sam Wilson, Sam Wilson's Captain version of Captain America, I feel like is the most natural choice. And they just got to show him lead by example. Because I think that that's what Steve Rogers did very well. And the one thing I think we mentioned that we didn't love about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series is that Sam Wilson applied blame, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. There was this, there was a scene where he's just applying blame to everything and everyone, but he wasn't like at the end uh, where he said, "Yeah, we don't want to spoil anything. No need." He just says, "Be better" or something like that. Yeah, it's like that's cool, but it doesn't. That's not a very Captain America thing. I feel like it's a tough one. Like you're just aimlessly saying, "Do do do better stuff" in to people who in a role that he isn't inhabits. So I, I was like, I don't know if I love that. I, I just want him to lead by example and check in. On his damn fellow teammates. That's all I'm asking for. Okay? Because mm-hmm. they go through a lot of mental health struggles, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that that is the main thing that I need to emphasize. That you can say that Wong is a good choice, but I do question it based on recent events. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like, There's got to be a leader who cares about the team as much as Steve Rogers did. There's something about Steve Rogers that really struck me and strikes me constantly is that Right from the beginning, that guy has the best heart that we've seen. So you can, you know, Ken's calling it Steve Rogers, the heart and soul of the Avengers. And ass. Yes. But he had that heart right from the beginning before he was a super soldier. And that's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Sam Wilson was guided by Steve Rogers in a way. But he's like, he's still on a journey. He's still on a path of being better. So it's just, because uh, you can see his like going through his kind of trials and tribulations. It, it I don't know. I, I don't know if they can introduce another character that would be less snarky than like, for instance, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, I would say Captain Marvel, but she just disappears and she's like ex- excuses for why she doesn't seem to want to come back and help. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know. It can never be Captain Marvel because she's just like, well, there's other planets I got to help. It's like, okay, well, this planet, the planet you were born on is having problems. So maybe just fix one planet. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Yeah. I, I think Sam Wilson. I think Sam Wilson's got to mm-hmm. come into his own or they got to introduce a new character that like kicks ass and isn't kind of so unsure of themselves. Isn't like building their reputation. I like the answer of Hope Van Dyne though. I like that actually a lot because she actually does know who she is largely, I think. Mm. You know who also knows who she is like quite largely actually? Uh, And it's actually maybe a good choice. Depending if they do this, I don't know who the next Black Panther is going to be, but Shuri, that would be a great leader theoretically. She's just very young. Is my only concern. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's kind of one of the things I think about about the MCU is that a lot of these new characters are very um, juvenile. Like, uh, yeah, all that's these like, the issue. new introduced characters from, you know, America Chavez in like Doctor Strange, uh, Kate Bishop, um, e- even, you know, like Peter Parker. And then with uh, Miss Marvel coming in as well. Um, like, I think a lot of these new characters that are being introduced are just young Spider-Man. and reckless. Yeah, I mentioned Peter Parker. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. Um and well, who's uh, who's Peter Parker? Peter Parker's just a regular boy. Ah, good one. What a twist. <laughs> uh, um see I was just pretending because I didn't hear you say that. Yeah, it's okay. I got you. Don't worry about it, man. Thank you. Thank but you. Yeah, You're my friend. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, a, a lot of these characters are very, you know, young or or immature, like a Scott Lang as an example. And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, Dr. Strange, like Dr. Strange seems like the obvious choice, but again, he's very egotistical and self-serving. So I don't necessarily think he would be a good fit. Dr. Um, Strange is more like Tony Stark in a way, but so is Spider-Man a little bit. And it's a weird thing. Like he's very smart, but he makes silly choices. mm -hmm. And I'd also like to point out too, like, there's a correlation between this is a this is a bit of a stretch, but if you look at Game of Thrones and you look at this Marvel Cinematic Universe, the thing that bothered me about Game of Thrones as you get into the later seasons is that the the cast is now this growingly more and more immature. It's like these like children basically that are just kind of just you know going to bat, and it's like ah. I like that, but I don't like that because I like the maturity of the intri- like the kind of the, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. The d- diplomacy that they had to deal with, with these heads of the family and all that. Mm-hmm. And this, as the time went on, it seemed just like petulance. Like, they, I don't know. It just, I don't know. It's felt like that with Game of Thrones. And I didn't, I didn't dislike that necessarily, but I really liked the first season because it felt very mature. Like the characters seemed more mature, if mm-hmm. that made sense. And then as the time went on, it just slowly became more and more people making rash and more immature decisions. It's like, guys, somebody's got to calm, calm this shit down. And it, I don't think it ever calmed down. <laughs> and that's what made the show interesting potentially because it was always an, it was never a dull moment. But I don't know that that works in the context. Like we need to have one rock that we can – we know. The fact that we're discussing this at all is a problem actually for the MCU, right? Like we should know the answer right away. It was obvious that Steve Rogers is the rock that holds that, like glues the team together because he didn't really make bad choices. He was his conviction was so true that it didn't matter. It's it's so interesting. It didn't matter what other characters came in and were introduced into the MCU. It seemed like he was still going to be the leader because he had such starling conviction. 
he had some moments of like self-doubt, but they were pretty fleeting in the grand scheme of things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like uh, from the moment that he's introduced, he's shown to be a selfless like individual that just wants good for the like understands the bigger picture of things. Yeah. And will do anything to protect his team and stuff. So well, he could be naive at times, potentially in terms of because he's a man out of time. But mm-hmm. I think that he just he, he cared more than anyone's has done in a little while, I think, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I hope that they real like Kevin Feige and the team realizes this and starts to build somebody up as team leader. That would be really cool. But if I didn't say Sam Wilson, I could argue that Shuri might be a good answer. I think if they could make her seem more mature in Black Panther 2, mm. Wakanda forever. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We will. Okay. Well, Adrian, that's the end of our regular scheduled programming for episode 99. But before we move on, I want to say what I was going to say. And I hinted at the begin- very beginning of the episode. So Kenneth Saddlebauer, the longtime writer in her who's written into us approximately, I don't know, maybe 75% of our podcast. Uh, episodes, and we've uh, featured him many times on our show. He's going to be our guest host for next week, Adrian, for episode 100, because we actually made it somehow to episode 100 in a row of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast, which is kind of ridiculous. I don't know how we actually pulled that off, but we did, or we didn't. I mean, we may not follow through. Maybe we won't make it to next week to to record. But um, possible. Kenneth Thalbar is joining us and he loves Star Wars. And so I couldn't think of a better week. And this just, it was just literally a coincidence to talk to Kenneth Saddlebauer, um live on the show. Then next week, because literally next week is May 25th, which is Star Wars day and Kenobi is airing, which he's incredibly excited for. So I feel like this is great. And uh, again, great timing. He's also watched Chippendale rescue Rangers. So I was hoping you wouldn't watch it till next week for that reason too. But alas, you never gave me a heads up. So, um, but, uh, he did talk to me about that recently and he said, uh, he really liked it. Cause we talked through, we were testing basically the microphones and, uh, he told me about how much he liked Chippendale Rescue Rangers. He also said that it's like, um, he, it reminds him very much of Ready Player One in terms of its cameos and, uh, references. And, uh, and then I made the quip to him, oh, that means Adrian definitely won't like it. So <laughs> I guess that was wrong. No, cause this is actually a good movie and well-written. And the cameos were good. And so was Ready Player One. And so was Ready Player One. In uh, fact, I think they hover around the same Rotten Tomatoes score. If you actually look at the two of them, uh, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers is about the same. So there uh, seems to be the same kind of disdain and love for it simultaneously for each of these well, two I, movies. I disagree. I disagree. Yeah. Well, you disagree with what? That Ready Player One's a good movie. Oh, okay. Well, you're just wrong. So like, what can I do? What can I do for you? You're just wrong. <laughs> All right, wrap this shit up. I'm annoyed at you. And you weren't even talking in an accent this week. Which is... I did some accents occasionally, you know. Um, do you want me to end with an accent? I can. It's up to you. No. Yeah, good choice. But anyway, uh, Ready Player One actually has an actor named Ty Sheridan. And I thought the guy's name was very similar to Tyler Sheridan, who runs the 85 uh, Yellowstone spinoffs. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to call that out, that those are not the same people. But uh, I thought his name was Ty Sheridan, but I was like, is that the same guy? The actor that Adrian loves over all others. He thinks he's a great actor. Ty Sheridan from Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your favorite actor. Okay, good. You said, mm-hmm. so good. I'm glad we're on the same page. Thank you, Adrian, for joining me. Um, I'd also like to, 
ask our audience to subscribe to us on any of the various streaming services the podcasts are held. It would very much help us out. Please review us on Apple Podcasts if you listen on Apple Podcasts. I know a large percentage of the people who listen to this podcast listen on Apple Podcasts. I don't even need you to write a review, but please just rate us. It would help us a lot um, if you could leave a kind word, maybe, or just rate us high or whatever, because it literally helps people find the show, because that's how Apple's algorithm literally works. So if you could, Mm -hmm. review us. I'd appreciate it. But other than that... Maybe we'll get to number one in New Zealand if you rate and review. Right. That would be the dream. That would be the dream. Adrian, do you have anything else to tell the audience before we wrap this guy up? Uh, no, I'm no. Okay, then. Thank you for listening to the 99th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. I am indeed signing off. And um, like I said many times before, um, I don't like Ty Sheridan, nor do I think Ready Player One's a good movie. And you know who agrees with me? Batman from Batman v Superman. He agrees. And Batman v Superman's a good movie. And so is Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon Town Village City. It's a great movie. I have fun with it. And that's it. That's all. Take care. Goodbye. Yeah, Batman uh, is literally in Ready Player One. So you're wrong. So, yeah. Okay. And he's fighting for the good guys. So I, I don't I don't agree with you. And neither does Batman. Yeah, he was in the movie, and that's why that's why he knows that he doesn't like it. Nope. That that's dumb. That's he told just me. a dumb explanation. He told you, yeah. How did yep. he tell you? With the bat phone or he's using his words, Simon. I don't know how else he would have yeah, told okay. me. Yeah. He doesn't have telekinetic abilities. Yeah. All right. Raccoon Town, an okay movie. Goodbye. It's great. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Take care. Bye.